This is the UTS Podcast, an independent podcast following Cheltenham Saracens RFC and grassroots rugby in Cheltenham. Come on in, it's a brand new year here on the UTS Podcast as we enter our fourth calendar year. How mental is that? As always, I am your host. My name is Dan Lodge and I'm coming to you live, almost, from my living room on my sofa bed. Well, I say sofa bed, it's a sofa with a duvet on it, so I guess it it is actually a sofa bed. I'm basically just too lazy to go up the stairs to bed, guys. That's what it is. Before we jump into this, let me remind you that this is a volunteer podcast produced and paid for entirely by myself and Mark Moxie Collier, not by the club, not by Chantal Saracens RFC. And we bring you this show on the first Friday of every single month, except this month, which comes out on the second Friday of January. We decided to give ourselves a bit of time off over New Year and we give it to you, as I said, on the first Friday of every single month on utspodcast.com, soundcloud.com, slash the UTS podcast, Player FM, Podbean, Podbay, iTunes and many more services as well. All we ask is that you help us share our stories by sharing the show's on social media, whatever platforms you use, it doesn't matter, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, email it to someone if you're not much of a social media kind of person, just share the link around, send it to your friends and encourage that they give it a listen as well. Looking back at December, only one first team league game in the whole of December. They played Ross on White on December 14th, losing close 21-19 on that one. The second's Again, only had a single game in the whole of December, taking on Old Crips thirds, losing 23-17. So two losses for both sides there uh, between the two of them in December. The youth sides were also in action and Mark Moxie Collier, who isn't joining me in my house, uh, did get in touch with me during the week with all of the details for those. The results for the youth at the Saris, um, the under-13s, they played Drybrook at the end of December and they did what they've done all for most of the year and they put an absolute stack of points past them and I think they conceded well none to be honest so that you know that, that was doing what they've, what they've done all, all season so far so you know that's brilliant to see um, the under 17s they, they they didn't have any games in, in December they were meant to play Drybrook in the under 17s development league but uh, unfortunately, Drybrook have had to. They've had to basically fold and pull out of the league. They, they just can't get the players, which is a massive shame for for not only um, rugby in the in the forest, but but you know in the county. Another team losing an age group, which is always always sad to see in here. But um, luckily, we we've managed to uh, to stay together. Um, but unfortunately, we, that game didn't go ahead. So um, so there we go. Thanks, Moxie. And talking of Moxie, a friend of his, Tim Tunnicliffe, joins us on the UTS podcast. Tim is a former player at a really good level, and he'll tell us all about that. But since hanging up the boots, he's taken to podcasting about the amateur game, much like ourselves. Moxie spoke to him way back in like October, listened to a few of his shows, really love what he did. 
spoke to him and said, hey, can we make a deal on this? We'll feature on each other's shows. You can be a guest on ours. Moxie will go and be a guest on yours. We'll make it happen. And we did. We thought it might happen a little bit later down the line, but we were both free at the end of December, start of January. And we thought, you know what? Let's just take the chance when it's there. And that is it. So he's come on ours. Tim's come on ours. Moxie has gone on his, the Amateur Rugby Podcast. I'll be honest, I don't know when that show comes out, but we will. We'll give it a plug uh, when it does. Listening back to this one, there is a little bit of interference on my mic. Uh, We've got three microphones on the UTS podcast. One of them is slightly cheaper than the others, and I give that one to myself when I need to. And that way it's like I control the crap mic and the guest and moxie have the quality mics and unfortunately uh, my crap mic isn't designed to be handheld so that's really my fault you can hear little bits here and there of like little bumping noises which which is me uh, just completely mishandling my microphone so that's on me hopefully it doesn't interfere too much and uh, hopefully it's still a quality show a lot of podcasts talk at the start of this one, I'll be honest with you. It takes a little while to get into things because I tend to go on a little bit because we've never had a fellow podcaster on. So I was kind of like, let's talk podcasts. And, you know, it's a little bit of podcasty, a little bit of rugby chat. So we've got a, we've got something for everyone, but it does take a little while to get into it. The chat is a bit of back and forth as well at the start. I feel like I talked way too much. And I've had to do about three different edits on this show because I really felt like I talked way too much. It's not about me, it's about the guest. But it's kind of like, you know, we're talking podcasting and, you know, let's tell him more about our experiences. Maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't. I I don't know. Maybe I should have spoke less and listened more. Or maybe asked a few more questions rather than just talking. But Tim also asked us questions, which we answered. So... You know, it's a little bit of back and forth and then Moxie brings in the rugby chat and, you know, that's where the great stories come pouring out. So buckle yourselves in. This is a really good one. Strap yourselves in. This is possibly the best way we could have started 2020. So a quick message from our, I guess, unofficial sponsor for this month's show. And then we're straight into it with Tim. The UTS podcast is brought to you by... All right, no official sponsor for this show, but I do want to give a quick shout out to the Amateur Rugby Podcast. Tim is following kind of in our shoes a little bit and combines his love for podcasts and podcasting with his time in amateur rugby. And it is a completely unserved market. Literally before we did it, we hadn't heard of anyone doing an amateur rugby podcast. And now Tim has come in and he's kind of taken it on, which is amazing. I fully recommend you go and check out more of his hilarious rugby stories on amateurrugbypodcast.com and on Twitter and on Facebook. Both of those are .com slash amrugbypodcast. So that's .com slash amrugbypodcast, all one word. Check all of his shows out on iTunes and his website, amateurrugbypodcast.com. That's amateurrugbypodcast.com. And one final last time, Amateur Rugby Podcast, all one word, amateurrugbypodcast.com. Is this just standard post-Christmas, I'm in agony? No, 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 I've... I've um, post, I've been, post-boxing post day game. No, I've been, I've been diagnosed with um, 
osteoarthritis in my hip. Oh, God. Oh. So, uh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure rugby con- contributed to some of that, but... Yeah, I'm possibly uh, being a stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> the things you forget from the game, right? I'd kind of, that had passed me by. I'd not heard believe of boxing me, a stuntman for quite a few years. Believe me, I've not forgot. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to hear this story if I haven't already. Well, stick around. Yeah. Sure, Tim will drag it out of me. There's a flight of stairs over there, isn't there? Hey, <laughs> there. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Not the first. And, the, and the balcony as well. People keep saying to me, "Oh, <laughs> go, on. go on, you know how to fall, don't you?" You oh. just got a habit of falling. When I'm, when I'm full of beer, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Standard. You go limp and don't hurt yourself. Oh, yeah, like a baby. <laughs> Every every episode, I find out something new about him. It's great. <laughs> Honestly, you'd think by, by four, for four years now, you'd think I'd know everything. Cool, and no. there's always something that comes out. Hidden gems everywhere. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we're full of it on this show. We love a good hidden gem, oh, right? We're definitely full of it. <laughs> like, I've just seen you open up the book. We, we don't usually get into the listener questions until much later on in the show, but I'm seeing two pages at least here. No, 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 these, these are normal Oh, and he's just a normal, just oh, normal okay. Yeah, yeah, normal. Standard notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is our, like I keep saying to you, Dan, this, we, we have a running order. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, this, this is the thing we always, we always say, is it's not really, it's not an interview, is it? It's just a chat. Yeah, really, absolutely. That w- weirdly other people get to listen into. Yeah. You know, I don't think either of us would go as far to say as we're journalists or anything. We just sit down with people we know, and occasionally people we like, and we, and, we just, and we just chat. Never combine the two. No, absolutely not. But no, it's, it's always, there's, there's never a dull moment, I think. No. Absolutely, and it, right? And, and like you just said, you know, we, we always find out gems about people. It's great. Oh, everyone's, got, everyone's got a story to tell. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it is always just so, and we never, well, he says we've got a running order. We have a plan of how things go, <laughs> but in terms of like, well, at least for me, at least, uh, I never really make notes on a guest. Right. And there have been some guests we've had on this show where I've never met them, like yourself. Yeah. I've never met you yeah. before, and now we're here doing a podcast. And I actually, I quite like that. Yeah. You know, and we never put anything out, like, beforehand. So it's like, whoever just happens to be next up, it's a surprise for everybody <laughs> kind of thing. You know, so that's that's actually a really fun aspect of it as well, I guess. Yeah, there's there's never a dull moment. There have been a few where we've genuinely, like, we need to consult a lawyer on this. <laughs> well, any examples? Oh, not, not, no. <laughs> any examples that you want to repeat now? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> if we, I don't know if we can repeat any of them. Oh God, yeah. I mean, there there have been a few. Like, there have been a few. Rich Coleman, if he's listening, when we had Sean Meheran on. Oh, about the stag do? About the stag do? About Brussels? <laughs> That's always dangerous territory. I'm, I'm not going any further than that. Because I think we will legitimately end up in a lawsuit of some kind. <laughs> but I mean, as I was saying to, to you, Tony, that we, we've only ever had one person phone us afterwards. They f- themselves. Right. Oh, please, yeah, yeah. please, please take this out. Yeah. Had it already gone live at that point? No. Okay. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. It yeah, was pre check. But it was, that, a, yeah. I mean, what, what we wanted taken out was a, it was a genuine answer to a, to a genuine question. There was, a, there was nothing bad in it, but. It could be construed very, very bad, yeah. especially for what he does as a job as well. Right, okay. Um, yeah, he possibly would have lost his job and all sorts. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's best that we, we did that. Yeah. And it's 2019, it's the year of people getting offended. So we were like, do you know what, let's just 
let's just cut that one out. Yeah. So you know, it's it's one of those. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's been anything massively. No. N- nothing. Nothing too bad. I think. Yeah, we still got we still got <laughs> we still got six months, right? So, so you know, there have there, to be fair, there have been a few. Just just thinking along the lines of of podcasting, I know you you do your own as well. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably be opened up to this whole world of yeah, for sure. Has I, this guy just said this? <laughs> am I going to go to court every now and again? But I try to like I I deliberately don't ask questions that might lead people that way. I try to yeah. avoid that personally. But um, a couple of people have said. Actually, they've said it during the interview. They've said, well, you, you're going to have to cut this out, but I'm going to say it now anyway. And then, of course, you go back and, you know, cut it out afterwards. Yeah. But well, we've it, had I don't a few think, of them. I don't think anybody's actually said something that they've then listened to and gone, oh, actually, yeah, actually, I regret saying that. That could be taken wrong. That hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will at some point. I mean, the same with us. But we never, we never intentionally lead somebody, you know, down a, a dangerous road. Yeah. No. It's, and it's all meant to be um, harmless fun, finding out about the individual's no, journey through rugby and yeah. their life in rugby. Because the thing, the thing we get a lot as well of is people will be like, oh, I'm not going on there because you'll, you'll throw me under the bus. Yeah. And you think we've got no reason to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. why would we? We didn't even think about that, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, it was entirely the listener questions. We didn't throw you under the bus. We just asked you what the listeners wanted to ask. Um, but yeah, no, it makes no sense that people would believe we would try to sabotage him in any way because... No. Like the the trust aspect is massive, you know. If we start throwing people under the bus, no one's going to want to come on, mm. and then we've essentially we've killed our own product. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's it may be fun for a short while, but it'll only be yeah, exactly, a short while. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah. what it'll be, yeah. and you know, it's just it's not worth it at the end of the day. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I'm just trying to think. I mean, we do do ones as well where they're on a on a private link with SoundCloud, right? Because like you get some questions and you think there's just no way we would be able to, but then you get people message you and they're like, "Hey, those questions aren't on the show. How come?" <laughs> so then we're like, "Okay, what we'll do is we'll we'll, we'll do a a private link, so SoundCloud. Uh, you can post it on a on a private link, so only those who have the link can listen to it. Right. And if it starts getting shared and it starts getting a bit out of hand to the point where like we need to start reining this in, we then have the power to just change the link. And then whoever's sharing the original link, that link doesn't it's work dead. anymore. Yeah. So we we can we can we are always in complete control of it. So I think we can kind of get away with that a bit. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, that's not I'm, the most not convincing. Te- I'm not, I'm not technically minded at all. So yeah, you're, you're the, you're the guy that does all that. So. I mean, so I, yeah, you know, it's, it's better than just putting it out there because there are some things that absolutely we would get into serious trouble for. Sure. Like, and, and we, and we do yeah. try and make it. We, we do try and say it's a family show. So, so swear, <laughs> yeah, swearing and stuff doesn't seem to get into it too often. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I, I, doesn't, we, doesn't get out too often, I should say. Yeah, I mean, right. we, we bleep a lot of it anyway, so it's like, you know, it is what it is. You know, sometimes it's, it's just how people talk. I mean, it's a lot of work for me. You, you, you've you heard me talk when we're away from <sighs> a microphone. Mouth, this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> and you think, I've got a degree in radio production. Right. Like, and I, you know, my basically, up until now, my career... I think I've kind of safeguarded myself by the fact that it's all pre-recorded and podcasted and I can take bits out. Yeah, my first couple of podcasts, um, I was so nervous myself as a host. And then after I did a couple, I suddenly realized I've got all the power. Like I can, I can ask all the questions and I've got the power of the edit afterwards. So if I say something ridiculous or stupid or just completely lose my way, it doesn't matter. 
totally yeah. doesn't matter. I was so oh, yeah, much absolutely. more relaxed after that. No, it is. It's, yeah, as soon as you realise, I, I was exactly the same. Um, I, I was worried, uh, nervous, panicking, but exactly the same thing. You know, well, after one or two, or even after half, sort of half an hour, you think, yeah, this is this this is great. Just having a chat. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the weird thing for me is though is like I still remember our first few shows. We literally we started. I'm just trying to think. 2016 wasn't it? It's was like July. It was just after the seventh. So it was it's July, been, yeah. So it's been nearly four years, which is absolutely terrifying. I don't think anyone thought we would ever get that far. I think people thought we would last the year at the absolute most. Two or three shows, perhaps. Yeah. And then it's just kind of grown and grown, which is just nuts. Even, even my family still, still laugh at me when I say I'm doing it. <laughs> Dad, you're such an embarrassment. <laughs> well, your parent, yeah, that's parenting anyway, but... done right, though, isn't it? You've yeah. got to embarrass your kids all you can. That's, that's the whole idea of being a parent, isn't it? Exactly. Once, you, once they move out and they're not around and you can't embarrass them all the time. Well, you're still on a podcast, so you can do it via that now. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So these shows, we usually, we usually sit down with someone and we say, you know, tell us where it all began. How did you get into rugby? I want, I want to know more about the podcast inside for you, actually. Right. Where where did you get the idea? Let's do an amateur rugby podcast. Where did that idea come from? Well, it was a lot of things that all came together really over a period of time. So uh, I played all the way up until I was thirty six, um, and then uh, my playing career came to an end, and I jumped straight into coaching. And I did that for three years. Um, but basically, I've been on the road traveling for the last three, completely out of the game, a hundred percent. And I've missed it. So I was looking for a way to get back into the game in some kind of way, you know, some kind of um, avenue. And the fact that I'm traveling around all the time means that actually being a part of a club or playing or coaching is just, it's not possible. Um, I'm really interested in the podcasting area. Like I listen to them constantly at the moment. Um, and it just like, added one to the other and it just seemed to make sense that maybe I'll just try and test myself in this completely new area, something I had zero experience in, but doing something which I love, which is talking about rugby. Um, so all those things came together and I just, I just went for it. And then in terms of actually the niche that I took in terms of the amateur rugby podcast, there's a lot of great podcasts out there talking about rugby on a weekly basis, talking about the current affairs, the games on, you know, as they go along. And I, I just looked at that and I thought, I don't want to be another one of those shows because it's already been done. And um, actually, until I heard about you guys, I didn't really find anybody else that was really talking about sort of the grassroots of the game. Um, so, yeah, it just seemed to make sense. And, and I'm interested in that pathway from players at the lower levels who make it all the way to the top and where people come from and, and, and where they get to. And hopefully what they're feeding back on the way back down as well after they finish playing. I mean, it's kind of the same for us, really. It's just... When people say rugby podcast, it's the Six Nations or it's England or it's the Barbarians or the Lions, World Cup, whatever. And we were like, do you know what? Like, well, for, for one, let's play to our strengths. You know, we're at a rugby club. We've got plenty of people who are good talkers. You know, we've got, there's like five clubs in Cheltenham alone. I think Norton is like a sixth. You've got Chooksbury just down the road. Then you've got the Gloucester teams, you've got Gloucester rugby. You know, let's stay where we are. Let's not concern ourselves about international because there's enough of that. Yeah. And neither of us are sports journalists, so we're not sports analysts. And I mean, Christ, we made a YouTube series where we did predictions on the rugby. No, it was the Six Nations, wasn't it? 
and oh, it's the whole <laughs> the whole thing. I look back and I cringe because we like I don't know whether it comes across. I'm hoping it doesn't. But I just sit there and I think we have got no idea, like the ins and outs of like. How, how many did you get right? Was it not generally many. successful? No, no, I don't think. I don't think because we we did. I think it was, wasn't it like five points for an exact score. So if we said such and such is going to beat such and such fifteen to twenty or whatever, and then if we said if obviously we, you've got none of those right, none of those at all. <laughs> um, and then I think it was if we can get the the. The points difference. So if you say England will beat Scotland, for example, by seven points. Sure. Now it could be seven nil, it could be fourteen seven, it could be ten three. As long as it's by seven points, you get you get three points. And then I think you were leading all the way up till I think was it the second to last show? And then Wales beat Italy, I think, by like thirteen points, and then I took the lead. And then luckily enough I didn't have to wear an England shirt on my podcast, which is great. No, I had to wear a Welsh shirt. <laughs> Lots of good feedback from the Welsh lads for that. Yep, yep. I was going to say, it's surprising that you might remember who won or lost, but, you know, with that kind of oh, yeah, no, jeopardy I got, at the end of it, it's uh, I wasn't the one. I wasn't the one who had, who had to have the bag on my head because I was embarrassed for wearing an England shirt. <laughs> I've heard as well, Griff's got that as his phone background. So I, I hear, from what I've heard, is you with your bag on your head, with your Welsh jersey. Well, I've got... I've got a photo of him wearing an England shirt. So, <laughs> so that's up to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's uh, we might have to we will have to dig that out. Actually, talking of Griff, he's he's Can our he's again? our top listened to show, isn't he? You've got the stats, Dan. Hi. Yeah, because okay. his is his is like absolutely off the scale, isn't it? Like he's got like four hundred plus. I was just going to say, what kind of numbers are you guys getting for per show? Ours is. It, it kind of fluctuates depending on the guest. Sure. Like, um, like as we said just now, Griff's our top one. Griff had like 400 plus, which is just absolutely nuts. And then we've got some of them where, you know, some of them just have no attraction whatsoever. Cause yeah, they, some, haven't, they some, haven't hit the crowds. So you know, it's, yeah. It's still, still sort of 40s, 50s. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've slowed down a lot, which is a shame, but, yeah. you know, there Again, was... I suppose, I suppose, I mean, we do try and advertise it, throw it out a bit on, on Twitter and Facebook, oh, yeah. but, but you know, nothing to like so that, you, that you do and yours, which is, which is brilliant. It's, it, it's, I mean, all the, all the graphics you have as well, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, well, that was, that was one of the other reasons why I wanted to do it as well, to challenge myself in this kind of uh, um, online marketing area. I wanted to have a good go at it and, you know, because I've learned quite a lot of things over the years being in in that kind of world and I just wanted to give it a, a good crack and see. So all of that stuff I've basically I've done myself um including the graphics and and the promotion and everything. Um and it's gone quite well. Yeah, it has gone quite well. Like it's it had a good start, you know, I got a lot of interviews done in August and September last year yeah. and there was obviously obviously a big push in terms of social media and getting it out there and getting people to share it with you know all their audiences and people and yeah I had a, it's it's been it's going quite well so far and you you've had some some really good guests yeah i, I mean i'm lucky that i've you know I've, i played a reasonable level and for quite a few different clubs as well so that just meant my rugby network is is, is vast yeah. really and especially in the london area where there's so many good clubs and you just get passed around there and there's lots of players that are coming through all the time. Um, yeah, I was yeah, like lucky enough to have Mike Friday on the podcast who's, who's that, just... That a, a brilliant... Uh, yeah, he's a, uh, he's a brilliant guest. He's a brilliant coach and a, a brilliant person. So it was, a, mm. it was an absolute pleasure chatting to him, frankly. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard him on other podcasts as well. It's, 
and it always sort of brings it back to, to the one you did with you. So, you know, you've, you've done all right there. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> very nice of him. Yeah. I mean, go, going into it, was that, you know, what did you expect? You were just like, if this falls on its ass, what do I do now? Because we had exactly that. We were like, if this goes face down in the water, what, what do we do? You know? Yeah. Like, I had, I had hopes, but I wouldn't say I had any expectations. So, I felt like I could give it a good go. I felt like I could have lots of interesting guests. Did I think I could do it as an actual interviewer myself on a podcast? I had, I had no idea. And, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm improving, but I don't know whether I'm any good still or not. Like, it's getting there, I think, slowly but surely. Um, so, really, my ambitions were all personal. Like, I wanted to do it because I, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to do it um, for personal development, um, just as an experiment and... And also just to get out there and reconnect with a lot of people from my rugby past who, you know, you know what it's like with rugby sometimes, you know, you're yeah. best mates for two or three years or even less. And, you know, you could be spending a lot of time with that group of people or that person. And for whatever reason, moving away, different clubs, all this kind of stuff, you know, you, you don't ever talk again. So it was brilliant to go and chat to a load of people uh, that I hadn't spoken to for years, you know, and you just sit down and it's like you've never been away. So that's been for me, that's been the, the single biggest sort of success of it, uh, personally. So what sort of feedback have you had from like, family and friends and whatever? Family and friends, like, it's 100% positive, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, I've had a couple of nice little messages as well from people that I don't, you know, uh, people that I know, but people that I'm not, uh, you know, I've never actually been a friend of, you know, okay, people yeah. that i played against over the years and stuff like this, you know, the odd uh, review and, and a little bit of feedback, just saying, great, thumbs up keep it going mm, really enjoying it and stuff so um so that's that's kind of where i'm at and when i started i i said that i'd do i'd do it up up until christmas that was going to be my sort of marker in the sand i'd do it till then and see how i felt about it whether i was enjoying it whether i wanted to carry on whether i thought it was like adding any value or anything like that and yeah like as soon as i started doing it, i kind of fell in love with it a bit yeah you get you get sort of hooked don't you it's, it's, yeah it's great to do. It's, like you say, it, it's just having a chat with, with, with guys and girls that you haven't seen for ages. And yeah. Sort of getting that, almost driving that friendship back again. Yeah, definitely. And, and actually, a lot of the conversations uh, that I've ended up having have just gone way deeper than any other conversations that I've ever had with those individual people. I'm not sure what it is, but if you put a microphone in front of somebody, some, somehow they just feel even more comfortable or more open to share. I'm not sure, but it seems to be overall the case. People seem to have stuff that they want to get off their chest or they want to share, and it seems an easy way to do it. It's yeah, a, it no, sounds counterintuitive, but that's been my experience. I mean, have you, have you come up with the... Because we, we tend to get it quite a bit where people go, uh, I've not really got any story to tell. <laughs> like, I just no one's going to want to hear my story. And then it's like... Well, that we know, we both know for a fact that that's absolute bollocks. I, I'm getting exactly that at the minute. I'm, tr I'm trying to get uh, mudders, yeah, and, and pitters on, right, at different times, yeah. Um, if it's together, then it's together. But I'm trying to get them to on, and both of them are saying, <laughs> what, "What have I done? You know, what what can I tell you?" Mudders is oh, just such a weird guy. <laughs> like he's don't get me wrong, I love him to death. He's the only guy. When I was doing, this is going back a couple of years, for my university student radio station, uh, I was a head of sports, so I'd go around and cover as many local sports games. And I went and covered the game, uh, the Crispy game, up at Tigers. 
and we and you you hooked me up with the interview with Mudders, and he was like, "Oh, I'm not really good at interviews. I, I you know I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say." Anything. I said, "I said just give me 45 seconds. You, I'll ask you one question, and you can just give me your opinion, and then you can go." I said, "It's 45 seconds, and if you don't like it, we can do another one. It's not going out live or anything." I turned the microphone on, and he cuts like some kind of WWF promo on me, and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, you said you." Were this like and actually you're really good like you're just a lion that's all it is but honestly it's like once the light goes red and you start recording like like you said it's like people just open up yeah people switch on it, it yeah i found it almost universally the case i've had a couple of people who've just been a little bit like nervous and a little bit wary and stuff like that but give it a couple of minutes and a cu- it, yeah. couple of questions and people relax you know it's, it's, get it's into the, it it's the thought isn't it it's the uh, it's the thought of slipping yourself up or, or or you know saying the wrong thing and and yeah making making yourself sound like a like a twat on on the on, you know on the radio then yeah for argument's sake but it's never the case it's never the case and like no, i said no. we've got the power of the edit so you know absolutely yeah and i never want my guests to like sound terrible on the on the show anyway so you know if even no. if people do say something where they lose their way we just get rid of it <laughs> yeah that's it you know it's, you can just cut it out <laughs> but yeah he was like no no i don't really i don't really do interviews you know it's, it's not really my kind of thing and i said you know can you just give us a bit of an insight as to why we're here today fantastic turnout unbelievable turnout it's unreal to see so many people come out we had enough here for like three or four teams and everyone's coming out to, su- to support crispo in the stuff that he's going through and he just went on for minutes and i was like jesus like 45 seconds we're here for like three and a half minutes like and he just kept going and going and it was just all gold yeah and i was like i'm just i'm not going to be able to cut any of this out because it's all it's all gold do you know what i mean it's all quality you know i'd be doing a disservice if i were to cut any of it out so i ended up i ended up airing the whole thing the whole thing went on for about four minutes didn't you put it on on the radio as well yeah i played that on air yeah i think only the once he didn't listen in no. He, he told me the next time I saw him, he was like, no, I, I didn't bother listening. <laughs> Cheers then, mate. All right then. <laughs> but honestly, he was just, just like, oh, no, no, I don't do interviews. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people struggle to see. I think they just undervalue themselves. Yeah, and, that is it. And everybody has value. Every single person has value. And it's just a case of, of figuring out what that is and, and dragging it out of them. And yeah, I mean, I know... Obviously, I know both those boys, you know, from back yeah. in the day. And, God, they both will have so much value on, on a rugby Absolutely. podcast. Oh, God, yeah. Or any, any kind of podcast or thing. You know, they, they're great talkers, the pair of them. I still think my favourite one of the lot is the Andre episode. Okay. Because we, we use the university a lot. They've got radio studios. I was a radio student. Nice. So I was, I was like, I can book this and we can have, like, a quality thing. So I got us in got Andre in and he and he sat down and he said I'll be honest with you lads I don't really think I'm going to have that many good stories like there's not really an awful lot to tell I'm just a fella I used to be prop uh, and now I'm a back because I slimmed down a little bit and all of this kind of thing <laughs> and then he started going on about like he'd capped in Norway and he played Azerbaijan and apparently they're just a team of 15 wrestlers wrestlers <laughs> but they were just terrible at rugby but if they tackled you they absolutely mixed you yeah like if, if they tackled you they you up but if you ran any kind of even like a simple dummy switch they just clean you no out idea yeah oh i see yeah but he just <laughs> he just had he just had loads of stories and then it was actually i still think it's the best one we've had you know yeah i know i, I captain norway and we were like oh how did you do that expecting her to be like oh i got this phone call and i don't know i just answered uh, uh an advert in a magazine 
<laughs> they were there's a there's they'd appointed a new uh head they'd appointed a new head coach and he'd put an advert in Rugby World magazine yeah, looking amazing, for anyone. Isn't it? And he just happened to email the guy and was like, I qualify through my dad and they were like, fly over ASAP. We're doing this open like trial for anyone who wants to come down, anyone who's qualified. And they they offered him a contract like on the day, you know. Do you remember Andre Hanger? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to school with him. That's, that's yeah. him. Right, okay, that Andre. Yeah. Of course, yeah, I've seen it on, on Facebook. There was stuff like pulling together there. I couldn't yeah. quite place it. Yeah, and, of course and you've I know heard Andre. the episode, haven't you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I fully recommend you do it. What it means is not yet. Not yet. <laughs> he sat down and he was like, I've got nothing to talk about here, lads. I'm really sorry. And I just looked at you through the glass and I was like, oh, you've got to be joking me. <laughs> like, if he's, this is going to be a longest hour of our lives if he's got nothing. And then it was just all absolute quality. Yeah, he was a good lad. I haven't seen him since school, but yeah, I remember yeah. him being a good lad. He was a year below me. He used to play blindside, I think. I recommend getting him on. Mm. Get him yeah. on yours. Because pro- there's probably, to be fair, there's probably so many stories that we didn't even get around to right, talking yeah. about. Like, um, so I, I fully recommend it because his is a great story. Yeah. I actually interviewed an American guy just before Christmas. Um, and he ended up, he didn't quite play for Austria, but he was on the brink of getting selected for Austria in a very similar, sim- very similar <laughs> vein. He never ended up playing in the end. Um, all, all I can think of is, um, is Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, um, do you remember your Norway debut? Uh, yeah, we played... Who was it they played? They played Israel. And he says he doesn't remember really that much of the game, except for the fact that the fella opposite him got a hospital pass and he hit him so hard it was bordering anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> Andre's words, not mine. <laughs> just, just for the record, yeah. in, entirely Andre's word in. But yeah, he was like, I absolutely, like they stretched him off because I absolutely destroyed him. That was my first <laughs> big international rugby <laughs> And then they ended up playing some kind of sevens tournament in Spain and they were just like, it's so obvious they weren't a sevens side and they were just absolutely dying in the heat. But yeah, no, that was his first kind of international experiences up against, up against Ireland sevens. And you've got like, yeah. Yeah. Tough. Like top tier nation sevens team. (laughs) Off you go then. Wearing the, wearing the dragon logo, off you go. Yeah, talking of sevens, I once played in the Amsterdam sevens in a team full of prop forwards. Oh. And we had to play against Samurai International, who had oh, okay. Chris Ashton playing on the wing. All right. We never got near him. <laughs> <laughs> we did start running at some points, but like... Okay. Not enough just, to just even... Just back to the halfway yeah, to kick yeah. off again. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, I've never ever played sevens. No? No. I'm, I'm surprised yeah. at that. There you go. If anyone, if anyone is listening, if there's any sevens tournaments, Aaron Connolly, if you're listening, hook Mark Collier up. Or who else is it? I um, cut a mean orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's as far as that goes. Hmm. Halftime orange slices. Yeah, team manager on the sevens circuit. That's got to be the dream job, I think, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Absolutely. Actually, talking of sevens, actually, I did notice... Um, on your podcast, you, you had Waters on. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. I'm 99% sure he actually saved the sevens that we did in 2016. Honest to God. I had no idea, because um, backstory, I don't know if you know, we played uh, St. Mary's Old Boys. Okay. And our then uh, flanker, 
tackled their number eight coming off the back of a, uh, a scrum. Uh, Liam uh, Liam O'Keefe wasn't it and he's, he's tucked himself in and he's just ran into Gareth and Whiplash has broken his neck from what we've been told mm. um, so we were like we do this sevens tournament this is when I was organising it and I was like do you know what that's what we need to raise money for next year let's make this happen so we, we made it happen Billy Fishwick's like oh Phil what is this coming down I didn't know who Phil was at the time I was just like that's just another name but he's another referee Rad. Great. We need those. Like yeah. Billy's Billy's head of refereeing in terms of organizing the event. And then he, everything that's on the field is run by those guys. I just kind of make sure everything else is going fine. Sweet. Another name to referee. Rad. Name means nothing to me. Don't know. He turned up with like two backpacks. And I was like, this guy's brought it. Like he's brought two kit bags. Like, does he know we A, play in a park and B, it's just a charity tournament. And he came up to me, he said, are you, are you Dan? He said, Jimmy O'Shea's just pointed me your way. And I was like, oh yeah, it is. Handshake. I've got a couple of bags here, a couple of, a couple of things for you you might, you might like. Because we, we do the sevens tournament and then we come up here into the clubhouse and we do the auction. Right. And the auction is where we make the most of our money. Of course, yeah. The sevens is essentially just to get everyone drunk enough so that they spend stupid money, right? <laughs> he says, I've got a couple of things here. He said, you don't have to take them if you don't want them, but let me know starts unpacking stuff and he's like opening pockets and opening bits of pieces in this bag here's a referee's kit from the rugby world cup oh here's a signed england under 20s jersey oh here's a signed blah 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 jersey and i'm like are you actually are you taking the or are you legit and he was like you just go ahead and auction it all and i think we made three thousand on the day and he contributed at least one thousand of that that's amazing like literally and i didn't know who he was and he was just like here have this signed England at the 20s jersey from when they won the World Cup. And here's my tracksuit, worn and, you know, these aren't available to the public. Here's a signed referee's jersey by all the referees at the World Cup and all of this stuff. It was like the Mary's Poppins bag. Yeah, so it's so great the amount of access that the yeah. referees get to all of that kind of stuff, but also brilliant to come and share it with, with you guys. For I didn't even course. know he was coming. Billy Fishwick <laughs> was just like, hey, he's coming down. And I was like, that's okay. Nice. Thanks, Phil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, talking about his episode on my podcast, <laughs> shouldn't really say this, but he's probably the one that's been most commented on in a positive way. People, people really enjoyed his episode. Okay, no, he is a good chatter, to be fair. Yeah, some good stories as well, and like, like a, a whole range of experience mm-hmm. from playing to coaching, refereeing, just yeah, whole gamut. I was gonna say he did ours. When was ours? Like January 2017. It was a while back, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a good old while. I think yeah. it was 2017 because we still had the phone at that point. That's right. We actually did it there. That's all right. We were using the tippet table. Right where you're sitting. <laughs> this is, yeah, literally, more or less, actually. This is actually spot on, yeah. This is before the days of this fancy kit that we've got here. We just sat with a phone between the three of us. Right. In a tripod, phone upside down with the microphone kind of sticking up into the air, and we just worked off that. And you listen back and you think, oh, like, buying this kit is the best thing we did. Right. Because like, the audio quality is so important, isn't it? It is. Just in to make it listenable just to begin yeah. with and then the content obviously yeah. like um, it is it's you know it's it's been revolutionary buying this thing but yeah no it was like do you, I think you contacted him and was like do you want to come on and we didn't think he'd be interested and then he was like yeah go on then it would be great fun yeah Phil just like a chat didn't he so. so yeah no that was that was a fun one that's another one I'd say is quite high up the list I think for me okay. in terms of content I mean we're, we're going to have to do an end of series 
I mean, come come July, I think it's going to be our last episode. Spoiler for everybody at home. I reckon so. And oh, are you going to? Thanks for letting me down. So, whatever, so whatever. Yeah, I think so. Oh, hanging up the microphones. Unless you want to take it over. I've really just found out as well. <laughs> <laughs> Merry well, Christmas, Moxie. Mind you, I said I said this last year. I was like, July 2019 yeah. is going to be the last one ever. And then it got to August and I was like, ah, f- it, let's interview somebody else. <laughs> one more year. So, you know, between now and July, I'm probably going to get talked into it again. To be fair, though, I mean, there's, there, there are a few, a few guests that we've got to get on before we finish. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah Sorry, you, you caught me mid-drink there. That's as, yeah, as unprofessional right. as it gets. Um, by me, I'd like to add, not yeah. by you. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. There's a, there's a few come to mind. Uh, again, Pitters, Mudders. Pitters, Mudders, Glyn. Yes. Oh. That, that Glyn. That, yep, Glyn Francis. Indeed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Photo on the wall there for people at home. I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit. If we can Anyway, Dan, you've just, you've just shit on my toast. Have I? <laughs> What have I said now? Oh, no. Well, you're forcing me to retire. Well, you can, you can carry on. You were saying to me the other month you wanted to do your own. <laughs> there you go. Here's your opportunity. You can take this off my hands. Oh, righto. I mean... I, I can uh, record and then send it to you. You can edit it for me. Uh, do you, be, do you want fair. me to leave the room while you two have a chat? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. Trust me. Thanks, mate. No worries. Um, right, can we move this on? I'm, I would actually like to know a bit about your... Sure. You're, yeah. <laughs> you know, now, now we're about three hours into it. About your, your sort of journey in rugby from like minis and juniors and school and all the way up to hitting the, the dizzy heights. Uh, well, um, there was no minis and juniors for me. I started when I went to senior school just over the road here at Pate's Grammar. And um, I had no interest in it at the start. I was football, football, football as a, as a boy. And um, I think by the time I actually turned up to school, my brother was in the year ahead. And I kind of seen what he was doing. And by the time I turned up, I was, I was quite keen. Um, and then, yeah, I just progressed through the, through the sides. And I was big as a, as a kid. Like, I had the growth spurt before everybody else. So, like, really, honestly, the game was quite easy for me those, those first few years, um, which obviously adds to the enjoyment, adds to making you feel like you want to carry on. Um, but then the challenge just in, increased as you got older. And uh, I was lucky enough to play a bit of representative rugby, like play for the Southwest and stuff like that when... Back in the days when I was slimmer and lighter and I was playing in the back row. Um, but then I jumped into senior rugby and uh, Dave Townsend, good rugby man from the town, decided that I should probably move forward to the tight head berth. And uh, that, was a, that was a shock to the system for a good few years. Um, in more as, ways than one. Yeah, like... I mean, everybody that's ever, ever played in the front row knows it. Um, but I think especially if you transition even slightly late right so I was I would have been 19 I guess when I transitioned and just not having that three or four years of of playing in the front row gradually building up so that that impact of of going straight to senior rugby one and changing position to tight head prop two was was a tough tough uh, so you didn't play front row um, at Colts at all Uh, I think my last ever game of Colts rugby was my only game in the front row which was a Kent Cup final played at Cinderford and we beat Lydney in a terrible game but we just scraped, scraped home and I played tight head that night and I think that was my only front row appearance in, in Colts rugby yeah what a baptism by fire as well yeah cup final everything to play for <laughs> hey do you want to play in the front row today off you go yeah not only that we kind of had to rearrange the whole team as well because I think I think by that stage I was playing in the second row so I moved 
yeah into the front row which meant that the back row changed and somebody came into the second row so it was quite a quite an upe- upheaval for that one big game i mean we we were always going to win frankly you know we were a better team than Lydney and, and we just snuck home in the end but yeah it was um it was interesting <laughs> <laughs> do you remember your debut for Cheltenham do you know what I, the, the first team yeah I'm not sure I do I, I remember being um playing away at Old Elanians uh as definitely that was one of my first games maybe that was the first like, big away trip uh actually and it's right in the area of London that I then went and played most of my rugby in. Uh, and we played down there and... Did you miss the bus home or something? No. <laughs> I just stayed, yeah, stayed. Um, yeah, and we had we had two big second rows. I remember that. So I was very happy that as a, as a, scr- a young prop, we had two massive second rows. One was Tim Clink and the other was the lad from Gloucester. John Green? No, uh, no, it's the year after he retired, I think, or he wasn't playing, it was um, Ninny Cuthbert, who, okay. who'd come over for a year or two, I'm not sure. But they were both enormous men. So, like, the scrum went, right, okay. And that was all <laughs> I really cared about. Yeah. Okay. yeah. From Cheltenham, then you moved down to London. Yeah, so I played a handful of games at Cheltenham, uh, you know, over a, a period of 18 months, two years, I guess, sort of in the first team area. I was, I was first choice, I think, for a total of two games. Okay. And, and then moved back to the bench and stuff. You know, there were some very good old lost the props around at the time and yeah. uh it was a struggle to get through um but yeah i moved to london at age 22 and ended up at old coffins via a friend of a friend basically um via matt townsend another cheltenham man. don't name him on this one <laughs> i've got who's been a guest on my podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so uh and i had uh, yeah i had a great time there like we um completely amateur club who managed to make it into the National Leagues. And uh, yeah, we, uh, it was an incredible time. It was a club that really had no ambition, to be honest. Like, it didn't really see itself as, as trying to progress or anything like that. But then just this gathering of players that were just a bit above the level that they had at the time yeah. just meant that we, we managed to just build something. And over a period of a couple of years, we just got higher up that London One League. And then the third year that, that I was there and another former Cheltenham player Ben Hyde uh, joined as well and suddenly well we were almost unbeatable that year um, we won the league at a canter in the end and that meant we yeah we got National League Rugby which was a hell of a shock for most people yeah. having to go down to Cornwall three times in a year was I think that's what that, that's what's ruin, ruining a lot of um, local rugby nowadays is people just don't want to travel yeah I mean uh, this comes up as a subject on my podcast quite a lot as well actually it's just this modern day um, fact that people have just got so much time on their hands. Sorry, so much things to do. People are much more affluent nowadays. There's so many more options that actually spending all that time on a bus means that they're doing less of the other things that they really want to do as well. It's all factors in in how the game is at the moment, I think. Because we've kind of had that, haven't we? Where it's the topic of conversation, at least the, the culture change. You know, we've had some of the old boys on, like uh, Tony Pates came on mm. and he was like, you know, you'd work from eight till six and then you'd be at training from seven till nine, uh, you know, and that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Like if some of the lads today get out of work at six and it's like, I could go home and uh, I'll sit at home and watch television and I'll just go to training on Thursday instead, you know, or you got people, you know, they'll take holidays during the season, you know, the commitment. Get married during there. the season. Yeah. That baffles me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, the the culture's completely changed. Yeah, I think it's just it's just the modern world. I think people have it got is. access to so much more things that whereas the club and 
being part of a rugby team was so central to people's lives. Yeah. Even, oh God, 15 years ago, probably, yeah. even as, as little as 10 years ago, it was so central. Absolutely. And it yeah. probably is in some, in some areas still. Um, yeah. That there was never a question whether you would go to training or not. You'd just go. Yeah. Um, whereas now there's other options and, and the rugby is, unfortunately, it's just less of a priority, uh, which is sad, but I don't think, you know, I'm not sure there's anything the game can do. You know, how can you make the club more attractive it's, to people and, and higher up yeah. that priority list? Maybe that's something that people can look at. But it is, I think it is, like you said, it's not just a rugby thing. It's a wider, it's, a, it's, it's just a wider thing. It? Yeah, it is. It's it's a complete culture change yeah. across the country. And, it, you know, again, it's going back to what I said, you know, you come out of work at six. I don't want to run around in the freezing cold from seven till nine. I'd rather go home and get chips and mozzarella sticks from the local chippy. Oh, that does sound good. I, I love mozzarella sticks. I don't know. Well, let's not get started on that. For Christ's sake, we'll be here forever. But no, it is. It's just like, hey, I've had a stressful day. I'm just going to go home and watch, you know, you know, whatever box set. Crap on TV. Yeah. yeah. But because it is a societal thing, I'm, I'm always very wary of, of avoiding saying, oh, I remember how it was back in my day. It was better than all this kind of stuff. It, you know, maybe it was better then. Maybe this is just what it's supposed to be now. And maybe in the future, it'll look way different than what it is now again. So, um, yeah, I just like to try and stay positive with it all and, and celebrate the things that we do still yeah, go in the game. You've got to try and be positive, haven't you? If, if, if we're not, then we might just sit at home and do nothing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's kind of like we, we've, we've kind of had the same thing as well where we, I think it was like back in October or something, we did like... Um, was it was it this no it wasn't this October just gone it was last year wasn't it the best ever fifteen I can't remember and then you hear some of the names and you think actually that's not a bad team but then you look at it and you think well that guy was playing in the seventies and the game's a completely different animal now and it's you you kind of trying to find that balance like you know don't get me wrong I think any, everyone who's in the Saracens best fifteen is probably there because they are probably the best in that position that the club have ever had. But when you've got like a, a prop who's playing in 2019 with a fly half who's playing in like 1970, you know, six or whatever, it's like the, the game was completely different then. You know, there's, there's no way that, you know, not to, to name names, but I think the, the loose head prop that I'm thinking of was the one missed. Oh, I'm going to have to name him. And I, cause you're, you're looking at me like I'm, you're like, I'm just talking bollocks. I, I, but with 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 the pace of the game in 1975, do you think Mr. B would be able to keep up? Um, if he was playing with a load of people that are about 70, 70 years old, but he would, yeah. <laughs> so it is, it is. But again, it's like that back then. It was, you know, you, you live... Well, I don't, I don't know if that's really the right word. You lived it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's kind of what I was saying. It was more... It was, more, yeah. it was a high priority in most people, yeah. most rugby people's life. Um, and now it's like you've got kids, you've got family and work. I mean, wow, to be fair, now more than ever, people need work, you know, full stop. Yeah. You know, so it's not just a rugby thing. There are many different factors, but it is like... I think we've said, we've said it before, grassroots rugby is on its... You know, and we've and it's not just here; it's like a global thing. I mean, we had we had Bart's on, he came over from Australia. Oh, tell yeah, oh yeah. And and he was, and he was like, grassroots rugby in Australia is dying. It's like the fifth choice sport for everybody. 
Like, and it's a really, like, we were complete in shock, weren't we, for the whole time? Yeah. Because he was like, you know, a, a team down the road from us got to the, the state finals, whatever county they're in or whatever, uh, how it works out there. And they, they said, basically, they couldn't field a 15, so we had to release three players to go and play for them. And then just hope to God that those three players would get released by them so they could come back to us. Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky you know? times, and I guess especially in Australia where there's so many like high level sports and rugby union, like I think you just said there is mm. is fifth, and I think it's probably probably on the slide and might end up being lower than that in in future years as well. Potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame. I think it's a lot to do with the concerns around head injuries and things like that. I think maybe yeah. that's that's concerning parents. Um, so yeah, anything we do to make the game safer and more inclusive and help participation can only be a good thing. No, absolutely. And this is where I guess where the real focus on coaching has come in in recent years. Um, yeah. And most importantly, safety in coaching. So th- those are the primary things that people get taught now as coaches is the real safety aspects. Everything else is mostly about fun and participation. If you get those safety things right around tackling, around scrummaging when, the, when you get old enough and around clearing rucks effectively, then hopefully people are, are playing safely and it can avoid most of these things. I mean, we've, we found ourselves in this club massively and safeguarding is such a massive thing now in rugby, especially with, with, with kids and whatever. But it, it's just gone off the scale. Probably for the best, I, I'd imagine. But um, it, it, anyone looking back, it, it's a world apart. Because mm. you're involved in the under-17s here, is that right? I'm the manager, yeah. Right. So you see that firsthand, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a safeguarding officer, but um, I gave that up. Not a fan of paperwork? <laughs> absolutely not. No, absolutely not. No, I mean, I, I, I was never never a coach, so I thought, well, I'll do the managerial side of it. Um, am I right in thinking that you've played in virtually every level of the game? Uh, let me think. Uh, from level six to level two. Okay. Yeah. And, level and two being championship. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that yeah. was for? Uh, that was for Isha. Isha, okay. Yeah, Isha for just one season. Oh, a season and a half in, in total. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I was playing at Old Coffins, go back to the, the timeline, and we, and we had three great years in the National Leagues. It was the same time that Old Pats uh, played in the National Leagues as well. I think they... They managed to hang around for a couple more years after okay. we, we eventually got relegated. Um, and then that team just kind of slowly disbanded. And um, rugby just got, it wasn't that much fun at the time. I was sort of getting towards the end of my 20s. Um, we'd been relegated once, maybe twice. And the whole team that I'd sort of, we'd built together was, was, was all over the place now. And I was on the brink of giving up, to be honest. I was thinking uh, maybe my playing days are numbered. Um, I'd signed up to do the London Marathon that summer. So like the whole second half of the season leading up to my 30th birthday, I was slowly getting slower and lighter. <laughs> slower is hard to believe. Lighter is very easy to believe. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I was playing in the back row. And and, uh, and then a guy that I played against, um, he was a Blackheath prop, uh, just came up to me. It was the last game of the season away at Tunbridge Wells. And he said, look, you're one of the better players I've played against over the years. Have you never thought about going and giving it a little, a try harder, you know, go, go up a level. And I said, to be honest, I think I'm just about done. And he went, you should take my card, think about it and let me know. And um, I took his card with no intention of, of calling back. But then I saw it again on my desk, like the week later. I was like, maybe I still do have a little bit of, a little bit of fire inside me to go and give it a, a crack. My, 
all the while thinking, I'm just about to run a marathon. I'm under 17 stone for the first time since I left school. How's this going to work? Um, but anyway, like I gave him a call and he gave me an introduction to Blackheath. So, you know, I, I finished running the marathon and then basically just ate as much as I could and lifted as much weights as I could before turning up to Blackheath. And um, yeah, things went pretty well there. Like I really enjoyed it. it was, it's a great club and a, a brilliant place to play where they used to play at the rectory field. They've moved now and it's, well, it's not the same, but, um, okay. you know, they had to move on for various reasons. Um, yeah, and I had a great time there. I, I met so many good people, played against so many great players, and um, and it was brilliant. But, you know, things move on, and it turned out that I probably wasn't going to get selected to start on a regular basis. And actually, it was, it was uh, mentioned him earlier, it was Ben Hyde. It was just in my ear saying, look, if that's, you know, I was chatting it through with him. He said, if that's the case, you're, you're nearly 32 now. Like, do you want to carry on or do you just want to be playing second team at Blackheath? You know, you've yeah. still got some more in you. Uh, and it was that conversation that, that prompted me to look elsewhere halfway through that season. And I ended up at Isha, who were currently in the championship, a league higher than Blackheath. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I just rocked up there. The director of rugby, Mike Schmidt, said, yeah, look, come along. You know, we're, ha we're happy to have a look at everybody. You've been playing in that league, which means you must be, a, a, you know, a decent standard. So we'll come and take a look at you. And uh, I timed it well. They had about four props injured at the time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I rocked up there and I managed to get a debut pretty quickly. Uh, my debut was Leeds away, which is a, a pretty punchy debut to kick off with. Um, and we lost that game fairly comfortably, but I was just the happiest man alive. Like I played... I played in the championship. Like I never thought I'd ever get to play yeah. play at that level. Um, and it generally, things went pretty well at Asia. So I managed to, like, I hung around, stayed in the side. And although we got relegated that year, um, that was the year they changed the championship from 16 teams down to 12. So the bottom five teams got relegated. We were fifth from bottom, about 20 points clear of the team next oh, below never. us. And they changed it halfway through the season. So they only announced it like halfway through the season that the bottom five were going to go down, which was pretty hard to take. Yeah, yeah. But the following year, we had a brilliant year in National One, which we romped, losing only one game. So Okay. Yeah. Do you ever look back at that and think, had I called it a day, that would have been the, maybe the biggest regret? Well, it's hard to say, right? Because if I had have done, I wouldn't have had any of this frame of reference to, to think about, you know? It would have just been, that was the end of my career. Uh, I had a, had a brilliant time playing at Old Coffee Inns. We, we achieved so much. Uh, I mean, maybe the club will go and achieve great things again, but that's certainly the peak uh, that the club's ever had. And it would have been brilliant. It would have been really good. So I'm not sure. It's hard to say n what I know now. Of course, it yeah. would be a massive regret that I'd, um, I'd not pushed on and gone any higher. But you'd, you, I'd have never known. But it's, it's kind of like that cliche, isn't it? You, you, you regret the chances you don't take. Mm. You know, and, and obviously knowing what you you know now, you know, but back then you didn't. So well, it was kind of like, you know, even going into that, were you kind of like, if this doesn't work out, am I done or? I didn't really you know, ever where think, do I, go? I didn't ever really think too far ahead in that respect. I just wanted to go and give it a crack. That yeah. was always my attitude. Just turn up and do the best you can. And what will be, will be. Talking about regrets though, there was an opportunity when I was at Cheltenham, uh, uh, and somebody you mentioned earlier, Moxie, uh, John Brain, who was player at Cheltenham and then went to coach Gloucester United or he was involved in Gloucester. Yeah, okay. That's where he started his coaching journey. And when he left Cheltenham, he wanted five of us to go and join Gloucester at the start of the following season. Um, 
and we all got convinced that actually staying at Cheltenham was better for our rugby careers. So none of us went. And, okay. and I regret that. I definitely regret that because what I know now is that I, I thrive in environments where I'm challenged and it's really tough. And I'm not saying Cheltenham wasn't tough. It really, it was, yeah. but I, I, the higher it's, it's got, the higher I get, uh, the more I get out of myself. So I definitely wish that I'd taken that opportunity when that, that was I'm put sure, in front yeah, of me. That's, it's got to be a regret, isn't it? To, to think that you could have perhaps played at that such a high level. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, sliding doors. Absolutely. Maybe yeah. I wouldn't have moved to London and done all the great things and fun things that I did there if, yeah. if I'd gone on, gone on and made, you know, had a chance to, you know, play at Gloucester. And something I've got to ask as well. Um, you're obviously in the London Fire Service. Yep. Did you play for the, the um, representative team? Yeah, I got a couple of games for the England side. Okay. Uh, and so I played for the local London team and it was at a period, it was just after I joined the Fire Brigade. So... I'd hurt my back just before I joined. So I was, I was only playing in the back row at that time, just having, having a bit of fun running around. <laughs> uh, so I'd played for the local London side as a, as a back rower. And there was a guy also in that same team who I knew would play for the England fire services team. And at the time I was thinking, right, I'm, I'm in here. So maybe I'll get back to playing front row next season. So I just had a chat with this guy and I said, look, I'd love to play for the England team. That'd be that'd be great. I'd really like that. And by, and by the way, although I've played in the back row today, actually I'm a tight head. Um, so you know, just bear that in mind. You know, when you potentially put me in contact with the people who picked the team, <laughs> <laughs> that was essentially how it went. Because you kind of had to, it kind of had to be that way. You know, okay. um, there's there's no like formal selection process or trials or anything like that. You you, you know. Hopefully you'll get spotted and all that kind of stuff. But playing out of position, it was probably unlikely. that. Okay. Um, was there like a, an, an inter-services? So the only two games I played were against Welsh Fire Services. Okay. Because apparently you probably would never have played against the French. No, I'd never <laughs> played against the French. I was listening to that on the way here, Moxie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the reason why? An, oh, yeah, yeah, just an all-out brawl and then people staying in army barracks and things like that, <laughs> wearing only ties for drinks. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Mr. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Matt Bailey saying, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the other reason I ask is, um, you never played against Waters then, for, cause he, against the um, police or anything like that? No, I think, I think there were games, but uh, just in the short time that I was involved in the side... I, it never it never came up in those seasons okay. that I played. Yeah, I literally, I played two games against the Welsh Fire Services and it just, it was lucky. Like, it coincided. We hadn't beaten the Welsh for 17 years or something like that. And the first two games I played, we won. So, I clearly made the difference. So you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody else said. So He's, he's I just, taken that. Yeah. <laughs> the Quick Draw Quiz. You know this goes, don't you? Just say an answer. I think so. Okay. Um, red, white, or blue? Red. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Surf or turf? Turf. North or south? South. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Rolls Royce or Aston Martin? Aston Martin. Rock, paper, or scissors? Rock. Football World Cup or Olympics? Football World Cup. Only Fools and Horses or 40 Towers? Only Fools and Horses. Elvis or the Beatles? Elvis. Australia, New Zealand, or South Africa? New Zealand. Uh, cucumber and gin, yes or no? Yes. Wrong. 
Uh, Marmite, <laughs> love it or hate it? I love it. Correct. Uh, Cheltenham or London? <laughs> oh. Wow. London. <laughs> okay, moving that's, on then. That's a, that's, a, that's a bit of a harsh one, to be fair. Sorry, lads. Nope, got him. <laughs> got the cucumber wrong, didn't he? Um, have you got a favourite joke? No. <laughs> We're not in the quick fire anymore, by the way. There we go. He's, he's listened to this show before, so he knows if I say yes, I'm going to have to say it. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's playing the game. Bugger. He's actually listened. <laughs> Thanks for listening, but... Um, yeah, this is the one time it's actually backfired. <laughs> yeah. Have you got a favourite song intro? Uh, no. Not necessarily a song, but a just song the intro. Just, just the, the intro. intro. You know, I've never given it any thought. That's why I'm here. <laughs> favourite song intro. No, clearly not a favourite. I mean, I'm sure there would be if I have a bit more time. But Okay. Um, favourite fancy dress? Ooh, I'm gonna put it out there. Just anything female, basically. Okay. It's always a giggle. We we did that on Colts, our Colts tour down to wherever it was, Cornwall or whatever. It's just a, it's just a laugh. <laughs> Jesus. Um, favorite impression? <laughs> uh no, I don't have one of those either. Okay. <laughs> Favourite drink? Uh, I mean, anything. Depends on the occasion, but generally some kind of IPA would be my choice. Okay. Have you got a favourite town or city? Uh, Well, I was lucky enough to spend a few months in Brazil earlier this year, and I loved Rio. Rio was awesome. Um, Have you got a favourite country you visited? That's tough. I mean, there's so many. But uh, I'll just I'll give you one from this year as well, which was uh, Uruguay. Really underrated, like hardly ever gets talked about in the tourist circuit. And yeah, I found it lovely. Really beautiful country. Um, yeah, the coastline suffers because the sea looks dirty because it's coming out of the river system there. But the beaches are beautiful and it's yeah, great climate and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, what's the best ground that you've played at? Hmm... I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with King's Home. I'm okay. gonna go with King's Home. Just like the you know the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff yeah. that that goes with it, and because it was my local Premiership ground, like I've all had a big feeling about wanting Did you ever to play, play at there. HQ. No, never played at Twickenham. Okay. No, I was a coach there once for a, an insurance touch rugby tournament. <laughs> Wayne Barnes refereed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we won. Which is nice. Nothing to do with me. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the worst ground you've played at? I mean, this comes up in <laughs> rugby conversations quite often, and and it's definitely the same for me. Uh, Dings Crusaders is a horrible, horrible not, ground. Not now, it won't be though. No. It's, Has it moved? No, no, no. Oh. It's they've improved it massively. Haven't they? They've got like a four G pitch. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. It's complete. Uh, you know, because I know they're like a, a real feeder club down through to Bristol, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, well, when I played there, you know, it's in case you had to push a burnt out Ford Escort off the pitch to see you just start playing. Uh, Mead and all that rubbish. Mm. Okay, um, favourite stag do? Oh, the problem is when you get to this sort of age, and I've been on quite a few, 
they all kind of mold together. <laughs> I really struggle to pick them out. Like I can't, I'm going to say Towners because I, I organized that one. So I, I pretty much remember exactly what happened, but <laughs> all the others could be, could be anything. Uh, favorite tour? Uh, favorite tour has to be my first real, yeah, it was my first long tour, which was Australia in 2001 with Old Coffeeans. That was a three week tour and it was brutally fun. Can you imagine the lads here going on a three-week tour to wherever in Spain? Three days is, is too yeah. much. <laughs> a long weekend and they're all absolutely dead when they get off the plane. Okay. Um, your worst moment in rugby? Cool. I think it was um, I think it was the first time that I kind of got knocked back in in like progression in terms of moving forwards. And that was uh, Southwest Divisional Trial. And I'd sort of gone all the way through playing well. And I got to this final trial game and I just, I didn't play well. Like I took it so serious, so, so seriously. I kind of changed everything that was what made me good. And I just turned into a completely different player and I didn't play well at all. And I deservedly didn't get picked. And that was the first time I had to really sort of think about what I was doing and whether, how I was going to be better and all that kind of stuff. So that's still doesn't haunt me but that's still very vivid in my mind that day when you go oh no right okay so this is the end for now at least like you have to reassess and then you know move forward from there i find that a little bit mind-boggling anyway the fact they have trial days you can literally like you just said you could just have an off day yeah and then you know you've got you've got scouts and managers and coaches ticking certain boxes as they go down the list and you could find yourself being put in a meh kind of category on one show in I find that completely weird yeah well like, it doesn't it doesn't really happen anymore and no admittedly yeah, it's yeah so and, and that's why and, yeah and, and they just go even, through you, you get seen multiple times now guys that get picked up by the academies and all that kind of stuff there's no there's no accidents there you know the best players get through basically like I always find I always find that so weird that they'd be like let's have a trials day and if you don't do very well then sorry hmm. like because you know it could just be someone having an off day yeah or they don't, you know, they're not comfortable in that kind of environment. Like you said, you know, you took it so seriously, you changed everything. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I like if they're going to scout you anyway, just. Yeah, well, it was a school, it was a schoolboy system. So I'm not uh, sure they had any, any other way of doing it, really. I think that was the only viable, you know, certainly at that stage, at the, yeah. you know, back in all those years ago. That was really the only way of doing it. When sports science were two completely <laughs> different things. Well, actually, I remember that day. Here's another thing, right, in terms of sports science. Phil Vickery was playing that day in that same trial game, right? And we got split. So it was all the Southwest counties, all the people that got selected to go for that trial day, then got split into two teams. And uh, Phil was in our team. And the coach who was assigned to us that day asked us to run up to the 22 and back on the basis that he wanted to check that we could all move. Like, that was what he said. He said, oh, great. Okay, so you can all move pretty well. Great. Okay, we can move on. But how would we have got to that stage without being able to actually run? <laughs> I mean, that being said, <laughs> Phil was considerably larger in certain areas then than he was, you know, during his professional yeah. years. But yeah. maybe they were just checking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, on the flip side, um, your best moment in rugby? Best individual moment. Ah. Oh. I mean, I was lucky enough to win three league titles and they were they were all great. I think I'm going to go with winning that first one with Old Coffee Inns 
for it, it was just a bunch of misfits from a southeast London borough and somehow managed to win that league and make it to the national league. The feeling of doing that and with genuinely a proper group of mates was unsurpassed for me. Yeah, that was that was a great moment. Okay, um, have you got a favourite rugby song? No. <laughs> you must have one I mean I'm not going to ask you to sing it but you must have one ah uh, well I mean there's one about Chicago that always comes up a lot okay what, the old I'm, not, store? I'm not sure if I really like it that much but it's just it's just the only one that really springs to mind it's all about an old department store yeah something like that okay um, what advice would you give to your younger self well just going back to um the previous story that I told was uh, just stay true to who you are really because there was there was a, that was one time there was a couple of other times as well where that was I guess it's just a young man you're trying to find your way um I, that that experience I just tried to change too much about myself I thought I should be this way I thought I should do that um and it was like when I was playing here at Cheltenham in the senior sides there were so many people came up to me and said like oh if I had your talent and size and all that kind of stuff I'd be you know I'd be flying and I was like well but I haven't got your mental attitude, the way the way you go about the game. And, and that was much more important back then than it is now in terms of like being hard, basically, in terms of wanting to, you know, mess people around on the pitch. I, was, I never played that way. But for a period of time, I thought that I had to, to get on. Actually, it wasn't the case because the game changed and became much more tactical and technical, which suited me. And you had Stu Maiko for that. Yeah. <laughs> and various other people. Almost every, every forward that I played with in Cheltenham, to be honest. <laughs> okay, um, have you ever been mistaken for someone famous? Uh, yeah, well, in I was in New Zealand for the entire series uh, in, when was it, 2017? Yeah, the Lions series. Okay, yeah. And I was there for the whole six weeks. And I don't know who people thought I was, but I'm not kidding, every single day there would be people like tapping their mate's shoulder and like pointing over in my direction. I don't know who they thought I was, but I, every single day there was people like, and like people get up at, from chairs in restaurants and like come look around the corner and see where I was sitting. I wanted to start signing autographs, but I'm not that ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> who do you reckon, Dan? Don't, don't look at me, I'm not going to know. Okay. Um. <laughs> I think I just look like a rugby player. Yeah. And because I, like, think, I was yeah. still in reasonable shape, I think they just sort of assumed maybe yeah, yeah, okay. maybe, he's, maybe he's one of them lines. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, which crisps make the best sandwich? Ready salted. Gutsy, I think. That's a gutsy call. Mm. I don't think we've had a ready salted okay. before, no, have no, we? No. Keep it simple. Okay. <laughs> uh, who would play you in a film of your life? <laughs> Two options. Jason Statham. Or I can see that actually. Jason Statham. <laughs> I can see that. Thank you, Dan. Um, or God, I've forgotten his name now. I've completely forgotten his name. It's uh, Bruce Willis. He's maybe a bit too small though. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were a drink, what would you be and why? Ooh. I think I'd be. My, same as my favourite drink I'd be an IPA just nice and steady all day long okay <laughs> um, let's go back to this this question uh, the one that gets everyone in trouble 
<laughs> Which three people, dead or alive, would you oh. have a dinner party with? Uh, well, I just want it to be a laugh. So I would have Ricky Gervais and James Haskell and sit them opposite each other and just, <laughs> just be like watching two people in a mirror, basically. Uh, and then maybe uh, Barack Obama. That's a very eclectic three. I'm not going to lie. That's the last three people I would have expected right there. Uh, I still think the just off the top no of my, from me, but I just I still think off the top of my head the best one ever was Smallman, Jonah Lomu, and my parents. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, have you got any superstitions? No. No, I haven't. I mean, I got into routines when I was playing, but that's all they were. They were r- routines. Like, and if something didn't happen the way I did it the week before, I, d- I didn't, I didn't worry about it. It wasn't a wasn't a thing. But I did, you know, I had routines. Did the same thing the same way every week. But just as a process, really, just so you feel comfortable. I guess that's what superstitions are, really. Yeah, so, yeah I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is this is the one, Dan. Dun dun dun. What's the best Bond film? You're going to hate this. I'm not that big a fan. Oh. But I'm going to say Casino Royale. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Nobody has gotten this right. <laughs> Honestly. I, think, I love the I think, lucky dip. Nowhere near. Lucky dip, there is a right answer, but I'm not going to tell you yeah, what there it is. is. He is absolutely, he said it, there is an absolute <laughs> best, but so far no one's got it. And it's, it's obviously only my opinion, but my opinion is right. Um, <laughs> I'm actually I'm thinking I'm just going to go back and listen to every episode and just get all the guesses that <laughs> people have start crossing them off yeah, yeah. and just like, like a game of Cluedo <laughs> I'm going to figure it out just by elimination <laughs> process of elimination will be all fine um, obviously here at the Saris we've got a, um, a club anthem Sweet Caroline have you got a karaoke song? no actually I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely haven't I'm a t- he has heard the thing <laughs> he has I genuinely listened. haven't I'm a I love singing, but I'm a terrible, terrible singer. So I'd never, ever subject anybody to that, especially at karaoke. (laughs) That being said, I did once sing a Chaz and Dave song in Penzance. Oh, brilliant. Love it. Um, Have you got any advice for today's minis and juniors and youth team players? Uh, Yeah, I guess my advice is just, just play your rugby. Don't get carried away with trying to shoot for the stars or, or, you know, worry too much about what the future might hold. Just play your rugby and enjoy it and make sure, you know, you spend time with your mates and support them and be a good teammate. I think that's what I'd say. Absolutely. Um, um, Finally, um, how can people get hold of you? Well... The Amateur Rugby Podcast is, is probably the best way, but I'm, you know, I'm Twitter or email and all that kind of stuff. I will, um, I'll let you have that and you can stick in the show notes. Say it now. Say it now. Uh, yeah, well, hello at amateurrugbypodcast.com would be email and at AM Rugby Podcast on Twitter and the same on Facebook. So any of those would be great. Um, that's me done. Thank you very much, Tony. It's been yeah, a pleasure, thanks boys. Thanks, thanks for having me.
He's faced Joe Marler. He's faced Mako Vinopola. He's played in the championship, a ridiculously high level. And you can clearly tell he was more nervous about the quick draw quiz and being asked to sing on the podcast than he was about any of that stuff that he's ever experienced on the field. While I make these jokes, I, I do want to give a big serious thank you to Tony for coming on. A really fun chat. I said this before, this is probably the best way we could have started the new year. Usually we do a review show and they're kind of like only the hardcore listeners listen, which is great. The average listener isn't, isn't really bothered. And I'm sure we will do a review show at some point, maybe for our February episode or we'll do it as a, com- a completely separate bonus episode, maybe. I don't know. I'm sure we'll do it, but it just feels great to get away from the norm for this one. As for ending the podcast in July, which I might have mentioned at some point during that chat, we haven't made it official. We don't know if this is going to be a thing. It is something I'm thinking about because I'm just really quickly running out of time between my stuff that I do social media wise for Cheltenham Town Ladies Football, between university, between doing the radio shows for Tone Radio and doing this, things are just slowly starting to build up. And it's just getting shoved to the bottom of the pile. And I feel like in a way, you know, we've had an amazing run. It's been awesome. But at some point we have to close the book on this. As I said in the chat, I might get talked into it again. Who knows? Leave it with me. We'll make a decision on that later down the line. And talking of looking down the line... The first team are back in action, the second team are back in action, and the youth side are back in action. Let's take a look at some of the fixtures coming up in January then. On January 11th, we'll start with the first team. Berry Hill away for them on January 11th. Cheltenham North at home on January 18th. The second team are at home to Chosen Hill Thirds on January 11th. And then again the following week on January 18th, they are away to Long Levens. As I said, the youth sides are also going to be back in action after a little bit of time off over Christmas and New Year. And much like in the first bit of the show... Mark Moxie Collier was on the phone to me during the week and he gave me all the info on the inside for the youth team on their preparations for January. The Sarah's youth team fixtures uh, for January. The under-13s, they're up against uh, Lydney to start with. That's that's away at Lydney at the, at the start of January. And then a bit later on in January, they're, they're playing against the old Pats. So hopefully they can do what they've done and uh, and continue their winning form. The under 17s, they've got they've they've got a big derby coming up against Chatham Tigers. That's on the the 19th of of January. So hopefully they can um, they can reverse the result on that and and get get a win there. It's going to be tough because Chatham are top of the league, but um, we'll try our best and we'll we'll see if we can beat them. Alrighty then, time to wrap this up. A big thanks to Tony for coming on all the way from London for this one. A really fun chat. Make sure you check out the Amateur Rugby Podcast and his shows and show him some of the love that you've all shown us and I'm sure he will massively uh, appreciate that one. AmateurRugbyPodcast.com Thanks to Mark Moxie Collier for arranging the chat, for convincing Tony that this is definitely the way to go. You know, you come to us. You come to us all the way from London. And, um, 
Also, a big thanks as well for uh, keeping us in the loop for the youth updates. Uh, a big thanks as well to each and every one of you at home, whatever you're doing in the brand new year, wherever you are in the world, and whatever you do when you listen to this podcast, whether it's housework, traveling to or from work or school or university or whatever, escaping the stresses of everyday life, whatever it is, whatever you happen to do, thank you very much for joining us every single month and listening back to some of the previous shows as well. The music for this show, as always, uh, District 4, Private Eye, and Funky One from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, which we use royalty-free under the Creative Commons License 3.0. And that is it for the start of 2020. Myself and Moxie will be back next month at the start of February, and we want to see you there. Same time, same place. Look out for Moxie's episode on the Amateur Rugby Podcast, and then get in touch to uh, absolutely roast him that will be hilarious maybe that's something we'll do for the next episode the roasting of mark moxie collier who knows up the saris we'll see you in february up the saris pups up the saris cubs (laughs) 